0: You need to find your tribe and you need to make connections. And if that means going to every live event you can possibly go to until you figure that out, it is worth every single penny. Thanks for subscribing to the Zoncom podcast, the podcast all about Amazon conversations. These are the tips and tricks to become an Amazon millionaire. Here is your host Andrew Erickson. He is All things Amazon and so is this podcast. Let's have an Amazon conversation.
1: Nice. Uh, I love that. That's great. Uh, you're, we, you resonate so much with me on the on this product stuff and also uh, I and you know what? I'm biased because it's my personal opinion. It's fun. It's fun making things new and different and special. Like, how can I make this a new, better product for people? That's ultimately where like the good part of capitalism is. There's a lot of like bad things with capitalism, but the good part of capitalism is you identify a need, you identify a person, you identify a need of that person, and you solve that problem for them. And one way of solving that problem is making the product better and different and special.
0: Right. I totally agree. And it is fun. And it is nice to put out a product that you're proud of. To me, I just love that, like to put out something I created and I'm proud of. And I feel like, you know, there are going to people who say, oh, it's too expensive or it could be better. But when you know that you've put something out that is your best foot forward, I love that.
1: Yeah. So, so, so I will say though, when I tell people this, that I get some pushback and they say, well, wait a minute, I have uh, very expensive molds I have to make. And I have, um, maybe I'm making a metal and plastic pull-up bar, right? Like I need to <laughs> like the, the, the metal cast that this pull-up bar goes into costs $20,000. And the plastic and the plastic little plastic thingy, if I want to just change it and add a little little bump or add a little twist in it, that's like five, ten thousand dollars. And oops, it didn't this mold didn't quite work out. So I have to do it again. So that five thousand dollar mold, oops, I one little tweak, you don't just get to tweak the mold, you have to like make a new mold, right? So what do you what do you say about those like critiques on that?
0: So I feel like two things. One, if you are just starting out and you don't have the money to do that, it's not the best use of your time or money because not only is it going to cause you great anxiety uh, over is this going to work it is going to probably stress you to the point where you might not even where you might miss something you might miss that that part of the mold isn't right so i feel that you should start with a, something that's lower hanging something that doesn't cost as much in mold cost however when you're playing like both of us at this point you and i are playing with house money right so i can when I first started, I didn't know if something would sell. I would put 50 units out there. Like that's not popular, right? A hundred units. I'd stock out. Then it wasn't the end of the world. Nobody died. I restock when I could. But I built up my confidence and I built up my skills, like even talking to suppliers or really knowing like, oh, wait a minute, that's an issue. Like I didn't know if I sent in this type of box that was going to get destroyed by the Amazon staff you learn those things. And so I think that for me, I would make sure that you are comfortable and confident enough in that product to throw out a $20,000 check on a mold, especially knowing it possibly might not be right and you have to redo it. I would think through that whole process, but if it is your invention, like you have this unique idea and you're gonna go all in, I would definitely make sure, again, there are people who have already done this. Talk to them first, who have already made molds. And they might say, you know what, you really need to put your logo in the mold. Or you don't want to put your logo in the mold because what if something happens with that brand name and you can't use it, so don't do that. Like all those little things that go with it, make sure that you are talking to not one, but two, three people who have been down this path and can give you solid advice. Also ask how much the mold is because sometimes people, Oh, well you need to make a mold for that. How much is it? 20 bucks or also know like some molds are only under a hundred dollars or a couple hundred dollars, which, Hey, that's okay. Let's do that. It doesn't mean it's going to be $20,000.
1: So that's a really good point actually, because we, that's a super good point because we were doing some printing on some, we're printing something on wood. Right. And they said, "Oh, it's very expensive to sample. the the we have, to, we have to set up a mold. We have to get this whole tooling and machining, and the sample is very expensive." And I'm like, "Oh, like how much? Like five thousand dollars?" Go, "Oh no, uh, oh no, no, two hundred and fifty dollars." I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, that's expensive, but like that's not like crazy expensive." And I said, "Oh, but but also, if you order it, if you actually place the order, we'll refund you that two fifty sample fee." I'm like, "Oh." yes, definitely do that. Let's order three samples because I can, I can do like three different types and this and that. Like, let's try it. And then, uh, yeah, so that's a good point. You should ask about the cost of that kind of stuff.
0: Always ask about the cost. And um, that was probably a Chinese supplier because everything is expensive. Like, that is just a cultural thing. I've had so many times my supplier be like, oh, you don't want to do that. That's really expensive. How much is it? Well, five cents. Okay. I <laughs> think we can do five cents. And always ask, like, when you're getting samples... Ask them for multiple samples. One, say, well, if you were going to make that better, like a better metal, what would you use? Well, okay, that one's more expensive, but can you send it to me? And ask them, like, what other approach? So, like, if you have something and they're like, oh, it's $5, but you know your target price is 4 ask them, how could you make it four? Like, what other approach? Could you do some of this by machine and some of it by hand? Because they'll probably, I've had suppliers give me like seven different approaches with seven different prices on the same exact product. And I'm like, okay, send me all those samples. If you're sending me samples, do you have anything else new that you're doing? Send me that sample too.
1: Nice. I (laughs) love it.
0: Another idea. So always ask. And I think, and that's part of what you're asking, right? Okay, I'm going to spend $20,000 on a mold. But I know so much more today than I knew when I started this in 2019, right? I, I know so much more. And I made a lot of mistakes because I didn't know better. And so if you don't have 20 grand, it's probably not, don't go mortgage your house, like go through the educational process first.
1: That's a great point. And the one thing I'll add on that is um, there's some materials that are a lot easier to customize than others. Wood, paper, cardboard, ceramic, Uh, those, those are, okay, so the ones I just said, those are really easy. Uh, Oh, bent, uh, bent metal, not a metal cast. Metal cast is metal cast or hard, but bent metal, anything laser cut or engraved is relatively easy to make um, and really low setup costs. Now we get into the middle tier stuff. If you do any type of uh, screen printing or UV printing, those are usually a couple hundred dollars. I think cardboard sometimes can be a couple hundred dollars if you have kind of like a special cut, whatever. Uh, Silicon and ceramics actually shockingly cheap to set up a mold the silicon and ceramic stuff I've looked at it's like two three four hundred dollars to set up a, a mold um, so very very approachable the things that are relatively expensive are metal casting and hard plastic casting so uh, any if you want to make that really hard plastic thing the little clip or the little hook or whatever it is, that's going to be relatively expensive. You're usually what I, the rule of thumb I kind of tell people is that it's about $5,000 for the size of your palm. So something that fits in your hand, it's five fingers, $5,000. There you go. Um, And each piece is going to be like that. So if your product has three or four pieces to it and they all kind of like hook and twist together, each one's going to be about 5,000, right? That's just a good rule of thumb. Again, go get quotes, go actually ask the factories for, for that um, those actual numbers. But just be mindful that like when I'm thinking of new ideas, if I want to change that plastic bit, $5,000, if I want to change that ceramic bit, it's $500 or $300. If I want to change that wooden bit, it's basically free. So, um, yeah, Jacqueline, that those are awesome. So we talked about data. We talked about finding our products, talked about the data we need to hit, and we, need, and we talked about differentiating. Is there anything else you want to add onto product selection?
0: I think that one of the things I would do, too, is when you're thinking about a product, try to think, are there four or five more that go with this? Because ultimately, most people, now their plan is to exit, right, to sell. And you don't want a brand that has like a spatula, a Father's Day gift, a ruler, a bedsheet, you know, even though they might be different, and might be good. Most of the time, you want something that's more cohesive with, you know, five, 10 products that make sense that go together. And so I try to think like, okay, this one's really good. And it's hitting. Are there some other ones, just so as you're planning, like, obviously, if you already have your brand, and you're adding to it, that's not an issue for you. But if you're just starting out, it's definitely something you should at least consider. And again, if you're talking to experts, and experts love to talk about what they're an expert on. Like they love it. And so get out of your comfort zone and go talk to experts. Ask them, what else would you do? Ask your factories, what else are you doing? And write all that down because it's like a wealth of information that you can go back to when you're ready.
1: So Jacqueline, the... You said that your zone of expertise, that your thing you love focusing on, is is product selection and development, right? And you said, "Why well, do all this other stuff all day, though?" Right? And I said, uh, "No, you don't. <laughs> you don't have to do that. Just find other people to do it for you."
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that I grew so quickly, and which is just a blessing. Like I'm so thankful for the growth and being able to definitely have a full time income out of my brand. But all of this other stuff uh, that I didn't learn, I feel like I need to know that in order to hire the team. Right. So in it, it comes down to like, I was joking with you, but it comes down to like, people will say like, well, what's your number one keyword on that product? And I'm like, I don't know what's your conversion rate. I don't know. And they're like, how do you not know this stuff? But when you're making your own products, you don't think about that stuff. But now that I'm not doing that and I want to move forward with intention, it's like, okay, how do you hire? Like I did hire somebody for PPC, but somebody I trust. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so how do you hire a VA or a brand manager or uh, whoever with, Like, I know accounting, so I'm okay with hiring accounting. Actually, I hired your accountant after hearing him on your podcast. Oh, but Yeah. And so, but how do you hire these people and then manage what they're doing if you have no idea what they're doing? And so, for me, I'm like, okay. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's, there is a point. So, I'm a big believer in what I call being the CFO, the chief figure-outer. Of the business. Oh, yeah. Right. So I figure out the stuff and figure out, like, okay, well, you know, okay. So how do I figure out the stupid like barcode thingy? Like, how do I get, how do I make a barcode? Okay. Let me just like Google it really quick and like look at some YouTube videos. And as soon as I do it once, I'm kind of like learning it. And the second time I do it, I'm kind of like mastering it. And the third time doing it, I'm handing it off to somebody else. Right. And so how, how could I possibly trust someone else to launch a product? Right launch part time with my account right my my brand right well we you can have bring some people in have them shadow you have set up a process um i i thought the same thing i'm like well we, there's all this like data you have to look at and you have to look at this like there's like all this graphics you have to make and make connections with influencers and set up the ppc campaigns in special ways and there's all these like different things we have to do so how can I possibly teach somebody I'm like, well, let me take the first step and just write down what I'm doing. And then we take the second step and kind of like write it down. And then the next time I do it, let me like try to sort of follow what I did and write it down actually helps me a lot to do that. And the third step, the third time we do it, that's the doing it first and mastering and the third step is let me have someone else come in and start doing it with me. I don't have to hand off everything, but I can hand off a lot of it. And so uh, one of our goals this, this year is to have a launch completely done. Uh, all the social media is done. All of the graphics, all the photography are, is done. All the graphics are done. And it, all the organizing, the, the analytics and making decisions is all done without me. That's the goal for this year. And so we're going through and we're and cause we have hopefully uh, the goal is 10 launches this year. I'm going to do it myself and then I'm going to have someone else help and then have every little piece goes around. And eventually we're going to get to the point where somebody else is able to do it for me.
0: That sounds like a dream. That's my dream. But I definitely am working on like hiring the team, like learning, learning about that. Like what does the team look like in the hiring process and starting doing that? And so But that is one of the great things about this business, right? You're always learning because things are always changing. And I like to call it just-in-time learning. Like, I don't want to learn something before I need to learn it. So, like, I don't have Instagram or TikTok or things like that. I'm like, okay, like, I know people who are experts at this. And when I need that, I know who to go to. So, like, I write down, like, hey, this person's an expert in this or that. Um, I definitely, even if I don't sell my brand, um, because I was just talking to another seller yesterday who thinks it's easier to go from 3 million to 6 million in your own brand than to sell at 3 million and start again. I don't know if I buy that, but it, It, um, mm,
1: I mean, it depends. So they're like, well, you already have everything. You have the list, you have the process, you have everything else. And sometimes it's like, uh, you think I have a process in place, but it's just me doing it. And I just kind of have the whole thing. And the problem is that like managing a team and managing resources at $10 million a year, is very different than managing a million dollar brand. So eight, uh, a $10 million brand, very different than a $1 million brand. And you need to start building like structures where you have, you have like middle managed, you have managers of people below you, which you can totally do. These are all very achievable things, but it's just a different skill set than like buying, you know, looking at a product and then kind of poking around Etsy and then like finding, getting a couple of quotes on, on, um, from Alibaba. Like it just, it's, It's different. It's a different skill set.
0: I think it is a different skill set, but I think that you, no matter which of those ways you go, like it's easier to keep building your own brand or sell start over for me, either one of those paths requires a team because I want to make products all day long. And the only way I can do that is if I have a team doing the rest of the work that needs to be done. And so but I do think like, I always try to think when your people are just starting, and that's probably because a lot of times um, I'm helping people who are just starting out, It I always think, don't, nope, nope, not yet. We got to pick a product first and get one product launched. So don't worry about that. And so I do think when it's right for you, then you need to not hide behind what you were doing and move forward. And even if it's uncomfortable to train somebody or to learn something new, that's where you got to go with it. Nice. Yeah, so I'll probably be. I, I know I've already been bugging you in the background. How do you pay? What's your pay structure? And that's why I'm asking you all those questions. Yeah, this lady's gonna have a team. Nice. Year.
1: I so love one it. One way or the other. So, so let, let's 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 uh, let me abstract a little bit, right? Because it feels weird giving the reins of the business away. It's scary and it's hard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because like I can do it. I'm capable. I've been doing this. I've been doing a good job of it. I got here because I built it this way. That's how we feel emotionally. And it's true. We are very capable and we can do these things. Doesn't mean we should be doing them, right? Doesn't mean that we should be spending all day answering those emails and all day like like pinging people on Alibaba and all day like actually physically taking the thing and putting it in the box ourselves, right? Um, I mean, you think about it. Like you didn't stick like the, I mean, whatever your product line is, you didn't like, you didn't actually run the heat shrinking machine the plastic wrap, all the things inside your product and you didn't actually stitch the fabric together and you didn't weave the, you didn't like grow the cotton that went into the fabric, right? All that stuff is done by other people. You didn't drive the boat, right? You didn't like, like get in the boat and like, oh, I'm going to fly over to China and just drive the boat over from China to, to Long Beach, uh, USA, right? Like you didn't do-, do those things. They were delegated away to someone else. And you're very happy to because it sucks driving a boat. <laughs> you have No expertise in that it sucks growing cotton and then like you know harvesting the cotton and then like running the fabric and then blah 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 whatever goes into like manufacturing fabric someone else did that so it's okay that other people do that stuff for us but now how do we figure out how to take those little tasks and have other people do mm-hmm. them for us
0: absolutely maybe i need to reread the 5 second rule so i can get on this team thing a little quicker <laughs> take my own advice move forward But no, I agree. You cannot, the one thing I always knew about my brand is I would not be able to scale it if I didn't have somebody else making it. Like there was gonna be a point where I could not do it anymore. And the other thing that I've learned is you then cannot continue to scale without a team. You just can't. You're gonna get a point where you have to have some kind of team, some kind of structure, or you're gonna stagnate. Because you just can't do it all. And then you're going to resent the fact and be unhappy doing what you're doing. And then you could blow up your own brand just from being overworked.
1: We want to get in this mindset of when, we, when we're happy and excited to grow. Because when we have to do the work ourselves, that means when our business grows, that means we have to do more work right right but that's not always true actually if our business grows to a certain size we actually can do less work because we can afford to uh, mm-hmm. have someone else kit it for us in your case we can afford to hire a ppc manager and do the ppc for us right and so uh, that that's one thing we we start figuring out like we have access to capital and access to labor you realize that when you grow it actually makes often can make things easier, not always, but often can, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's this limited limited belief that when if we do have to do it all ourselves, that means growth was is going to hurt. But we want to get rid of that limited, limiting belief because growth doesn't hurt. Growth means we have more opportunity, more cash flow to employ others to help us do these things.
0: No, I would totally agree and really comes back to the idea of connection. Without other people, I think it is, very difficult to make your business work. And whether that's somebody that is a peer, a colleague, a mentor, or somebody who works for you, you, you need other people at the end of the day. So it's one of my 2022 goals. Time to nice. hire somebody, Jacqueline, just do it.
1: <laughs> Another way of looking at it from the opposite perspective is if I want to achieve a certain level of income, uh, or a certain lifestyle, maybe, maybe I only want to work 20 hours, 20 effective hours so that I can spend a hundred hours with my kids. Um, or so that I can, you know, my goal, my number one goal is to always walk my kids to school or my number one goal is to make half a million dollars a year so that I can afford that really nice private school that my kids can go to. Right. Or maybe I want to sell my business for $2 million because $2 million allows me to retire and I can retire and spend all my time with my family, right? Whatever whatever your why is outside of like, just make money, right? Um, but often when we're in business together or we're, when we're in business, we do care about profit and care about income. And so one thing I like to think of it from the opposite perspective is I need to work at $300 an hour, right? That's my goal. That's my personal goal. I need to work at $200, really $250, $300 an hour. Okay, if I want to achieve that kind of income, if I want to, that comes out to about half a million dollar a year income, right? If that's your goal, that's kind of like, that's kind of the objective here. maybe your income is 100,000. If it's a 100,000, you'd be working at $50 an hour, right? $50 to $100 an hour. I can't spend my time doing the things that can be done for $5 an hour, $10 an hour, even $100 an hour. I actually can't spend my time doing that, right? And so for example, great example of that, I love Photoshop. Okay, I actually love like I love taking photos. I love going in and like twisting and, and tacking and whatever in in Photoshop and like brushing the thing out and like I, I don't know if, I don't know if you've seen Jacqueline. Sometimes I make like little funny memes of yeah. like our friends. <laughs> yeah, I've
0: seen some of them. They're pretty funny. You're very good yeah. at it. <laughs>
1: it's all just like they're just fun, right? I'll just like take a picture and like make a funny quote card or like Photoshop someone else's head on or something like that. It's fun. I like it. I n- almost never like ninety nine percent never actually do any photoshopping for my business because i have an amazing graphics designer he's fantastic he makes ten dollars an hour he is twice as fast as me when i send stuff to him when he does the thing like right now we're doing a big uh, revamp of our packaging and so we're like kind of you know adding whatever we're just changing the way the packaging looks right and uh, I can do it. I can do it myself. I can I can put the little logo in. I can twist it, and I can change. and add the quote, whatever, and do all these different things. But like, if I do that myself, I'm effectively working at five dollars per hour because I can pay someone else ten dollars an hour, and they're twice as fast as me. So at that point, I'm working at five dollars an hour, and I'm trying to achieve that half million dollar income or that like hundred thousand dollar income. I'm wasting my time. Right. And so uh, there's a PPC is another example of it. Like I'm struggling right now personally, like justifying spending $1,500 a month for a PPC manager. But I'm like doing the math, I'm like, well, if it can save me four or five hours, if it saves me five hours a month, then it's a good hire. And so, so like we have to get in this mindset that like people are not expenses, they're investments.
0: Right. I guess like ultimately the way to look at it is figure out how much you're worth. And anything that you can hire underneath that amount of money, then it, as long as you have the revenue to do that, you need to hire that out because then you're just working at below your own worth. Yep. And, you know, another one of the big things at the Cancun event, the Titan member Cancun event was somebody told me that. What would make you more money continuing to do that inventory management or launching another product? So if you're not just, if you're not even, you know, this is your area of value. This is your area of expertise. Yet you're fighting your own self and stopping yourself from doing that because you're doing your own accounting or doing your own, whatever inventory management, PPC, what have you, um, stuff you don't want to do. You're doing stuff you don't want to do. That's going to bring you less money than if you just did the stuff you didn't want to do. And I was like, thank you for calling me out on that. I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, and Jacqueline in your case too, I, I'm just going to plant some more seeds cause I'm like so bullish on Jacqueline. I'm like excited for your, your growth and what right. you're going to do. Another thing I might push back on you sourcing stuff. Generally, at least the lower the the fundamental sourcing stuff yeah. is generally a lot of work that doesn't require a high skill level, um, and so you have a sourcing agent or a VA who specializes in in um, talking to suppliers, or maybe even hire a person in China. We hired a person in China to do our sourcing for us, and uh, it's amazing. Like she literally and figuratively. How did
0: you find that person in China?
1: I uh, was a friend referred to her. Yeah.
0: Friend. Yeah. It's common.
1: Yeah, that's why, that's why it's good to have connections, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, i have a really good freight forwarder. Like, he is a little bit more expensive, but he takes care of everything. So that is somebody that I rely on. And then he went to, I think it's University of Nebraska, so his English is so good that I also have him translate for me. So sometimes when I just can't get across what I want to a factory, I'll be like, hey, Michael, can you call this factory with me and translate? And he's like, sure, no problem. Nice. Because a lot of times you can't get like your intention, like your meaning through. And so it's helpful to have somebody whose English is so good. But yeah, a lot of I find that um, people who have found people in China is through some type of connection. Um, or I met Mike at like Canton Fair. And he's like, I'll prove my worth. I'll go, I'll walk around with you for an hour. I went hey, to four booths in that cool. hour. that's cool. Like, he was just like, nope, they don't have what you want. Nope, nope, keep going. Because he was, like, translating so quickly. So it is good to have, like, that person, I kind of feel like. And wherever you're going, like, I know some people are sourcing in India or Mexico or someplace else. But it's good to have somebody on the ground there, for sure.
1: Nice. I love that. Yeah. So so actually, we, we had a more expensive freight forwarder who helped us with stuff like that. And then uh, we were using Flexport, um, which is uh, like a software, kind of a software based freight forwarder. We loved them, and we know they're expensive, but we loved them because they handled a lot more stuff for us. But then when we hired the sourcing agent in China, uh, we kind of, I kind of did the math and I figured out we were paying about four or five hundred dollars extra a month because um, we were doing about a shipping container a month. This is three years ago and shipping containers were cheap, uh, but we were paying about five hundred dollars extra a month. Well, in, in kind of like from the market rate. Right. And then we hired a sourcing manager, sourcing agent. She ended up fine doing this, the freight forwarding for us. And she would kind of find like the cheaper, the cheaper option, <laughs> more affordable option, more affordable option. And it worked out great because we were saving about $500 a month. She costs us $800 a month. Well, she's already almost paying for herself right there. And then she does all the work for us. We don't even have to like do the thing. And she does all the freight forwarding for us, contacts the people. She gets like four quotes. She has kind of like her, like her six or seven preferred freight forwarders. And she gets three quotes from us. And then like she books the one that's the best of the of the one. And she even calls them and like, say like, that price is too high. Bring it down. Okay. Brought it down by $200, right? I'm like, oh, awesome. Yes. These people can... Uh, these people are investments and they can help us uh, grow the stuff. So I'm, I'm going to push on you. So my homework assignments for you, Jacqueline is maybe, or well, one of the things for you to consider, my homework assignment is to consider hiring a sourcing person.
0: No, I think that it's probably a good idea to do that because I do feel like when you have somebody you can trust and is reliable, um, just treat them really well and keep them. Cause I know like I had COVID in February and um, I was in the hospital just for a day, but My husband did not know what to do, but he knew Michael. He's like, I'm going to go on WeChat. And I know the guy's name is Michael. He'll be towards the top. And he said, I don't know what's going on with any of her orders right now, but she's in the hospital and has COVID. And he took care of everything. And so, and it gets to the point where I can just be like, okay, I placed an order from like Darren, Joanne, Ken, Fancy, and Akami. That's it. That's what I tell him. Then he goes and contacts them to figure out when it's going to be done, when it can be shipped, are the cartons right, all of that. And it's so nice to have that type of person. So, but you're right. If I had that for sourcing as well, frankly, if I had that for everything, yes. I just talked myself into a team. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes. Let's do it.
0: Like, what am I saying? I'm telling you, this person's wonderful because you just say, do this and it's done and you don't have to worry about it anymore. Even if you pay a little more. Yeah. I need, I need a Michael for everything, actually.
1: Nice. I love it. I love it. Figure out your zone of expertise. So so going back to the analogy of of our pay rates, because we pay ourselves because we are self-employed, right? Right. So we need to manage the people in the company. The number one person you have to manage is yourself, right? Because uh, you don't have a boss. Or you do have a boss. It's yourself, right? And uh, so there are things that we can do that are a high return on time. And there's things that we we shouldn't do, right? So for example, real uh, kind of back and forth messaging, that kind of stuff drives me nuts. It really takes a lot of mental space to kind of do the back and forth messaging. And I just, it's just that kind of stuff you need to hand off to other people, right? Graphic design stuff, any type of like some keyword research. A lot of these things are like, are can be handed off pretty easily. Photography, right? That's a big one. Everyone's like, well, of course I can hand that off. Well, yeah, you can hand all the stuff off like that, right? And so the high level things that we should focus on setting visions, organizing teams, even hosting meetings, hiring people. That's kind of a middle high level job. I was making the decision of what to hire, making these high level te- decisions. That's a big one to focus on. honestly connections, conferences, networking. Those are huge high value things. Those are $300, $500 an hour tasks and okay. stuff like that. So um, uh, what do you think, Jacqueline? What, do you, what other kind of like high level, high value tasks are we doing?
0: I mean, In my business, I feel like product selection is everything. And so that to me is super high level. And I feel like connections, going to these events, keeping up with the mastermind, critical because then you kind of, this is an ever-changing landscape, right? So it's easier to keep up with things. And when you have the connection, again, I always save money or make money off of those conversations. I don't think like I could source that out because they're not, you know, getting the same information that I feel like I need. I also feel like paying attention to your vision, like your your brand, the the vision that you have And how you exit, again, if you're going to exit, most people I know are going to exit, but if that's right for you, paying attention to all of those things that you really need to line up to make that exit as successful and easy as possible, all high value things. But they're all like, yeah, I I think it's more just about kind of that um, being that visionary, which I know then everybody needs the integrator. But when you're doing both of those, that's where something's going to fall through the cracks.
1: Nice. I love it, Jacqueline. Those are great tips. I love it. I love it. So we like doing our, uh, we're going to wrap it up and ask you our favorite three questions we like to ask everybody. The first question, my favorite letter in the alphabet is why? Why do we, I like knowing people's why, why do you do the things you do? Why are you, you said you started up in 2019 and you're like trying to figure this whole thing out. And like, why didn't you just go get like a nine to five job and, and sit behind a desk? Why are you doing this entrepreneurial journey?
0: So, um, I left a nine to five job and making a lot of money. So it wasn't really about the money when I started. It was about those two up there. Um, so I. Um, pointing
1: at the for our audio the listeners, She's pointing at pictures of her children on the <laughs> wall. Very yeah. cute kids. Well,
0: I have kids. <laughs> I have two six year olds. Um, so my husband and I are foster parents, and because we were told we couldn't have kids. And when I was 42, surprise, <laughs> yes, you can. So I um, had my first kid at 42. We were already a foster family. And then we took in a little boy who we are in the process of adopting, actually. And this was in 2018. It's been a long, long adoption process. But um, he had special needs. And I wanted to be home. And I worked in private equity. There was a lot of travel. And I thought there's got to be something better. And um, something that you probably didn't face, Andrew, and not everybody faces. But there's a lot of mommy shaming that happens. Like you can't put in as many hours. You're not doing these type of things. So I thought, well... I'm helping these people get rich. Let me try to do my own thing. And so that's why that's my why I wanted to be home with my kids. I wanted to hold my own fate in my own hands and see if I could build something. And it's been a good journey for me and it's fun. I like it. It's a lot of fun.
1: I love it. I love it. So your side hustle, stay home with the kids side hustle turned into a main hustle. My side
0: hustle was doing retail arbitrage. I did that for a year while working full-time. So before work, at lunch, and after work, I was buying clearance products from like Walmart and stuff and hawking Uh it on Amazon. And then I thought, I could come up with my own products.
1: (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah, and see, see, this is one thing. I love the entrepreneurial journey, especially those of you guys who are listening. These side hustles, the, the, honestly, I think the, I think one of the big thing, big things to do is just kind of like, Hustle, move forward. Don't hesitate to take steps forward. Just keep, just start walking. Sometimes it's not in the right direction, but keep, start walking forward. Start doing a thing. Start retail arbitraging. Start listing some stuff. Start talking to some suppliers. Start talking to the chefs down the road, like you mentioned. Talk to the chefs. Ask what kind of products they want and need and like start, start moving, start hustling. Eventually, you'll kind of find the path where you can kind of start monetizing and really start making a profit. And those kinds of things, those side hustles where you are able to get into it and you you become the subject matter expert in that field, you then figure out the the little places, you go to the certain websites, you make the little tweak and twist on the product, and you eventually grow that product up into a million-dollar brand. And the big thing then, eventually, we can turn that side hustle into a main hustle. And then eventually, that main hustle can turn into a wealth creation event. And wealth creation is when we sell the business. If that's your goal, not everyone wants to do that, but some people want to do that. That wealth creation event, that that little side hustle, like, let me just try some things the nights and weekends, then turns into my like, let me do something every day. And then it turns into like, wow, I just made life changing amount of money for myself and my children. So Jacqueline, I think you're a perfect example of that. Like I I love your story. It's so amazing.
0: Well, I think it's really important to do something that you want to do with your life. And, you know, I'll be forty-eight this year and I was fed go to school get good grades, go to a good college, get a good job, and then retire one day and then you can do what you want to do. And I wasn't happy. And my husband also wasn't happy. So at 35, he became a firefighter. And at 43, I started hawking, 44, I guess. I started hawking stuff on Amazon. So, but we've never been happier. And I think it's just really important to know your why because it's not an easy journey. But it's a satisfying and, and very, it can be a very lucrative journey, but you've got to get through the bumps first. And with, to get through those, you have to be doing it for a reason.
1: Nice. I love it. So the next question I love asking people, what is a favorite piece of media, a podcast, a book, something like that, that you can share with the audience that they can, that they can uh, listen to right away?
0: So because you said you just got to do it, you got to make it happen. There's this book called The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. And it's all about you don't want to do stuff like an example she'll give is like you don't want to go ask that girl out. Just do it. You got five seconds to do it. And once you start pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, you'll get on a path where you're making your dreams come true because you are constantly challenging yourself and moving past the fear because it's all fear-based and you're gonna need that, like talking to suppliers for the first time, or even launching a product. So I like that one from what you said, and I also like. Um, well, I listen to your podcast, Thanks. and um, <laughs> so there, I mean, there's a lot of business stuff, right? But I feel like if you just want to stay motivated, I'm trying to think, steal like an artist. Steal it's a like book. An artist. It's an easy book to read. And it's basically about tapping into your creative side and unexplainable. That's another good book. It's a Christian based, so it might not be for everybody. Don cousins, unexplainable. It's about reaching your life, reaching for your life's dreams and podcast. How I did that. How, wait, how'd I do that? How I built this. How I built this. Great one. I love that one.
1: I love that podcast. Those are three books I've actually never heard of that you suggested. So I think I've, I've heard of the five second rules. I've met ne- those that three books I've never read at least. And so th- those are great suggestions. The Podcast, how I built this. I love that one. Do you have it's like so one or two episodes in particular that you liked?
0: No, they're all good because even if you start listening to it and you think, okay, I don't really want to have a cookie shop or an ice cream store. It's so interesting to like watch people go through this journey from even like where they had no clue what they were doing to building like this empire. It's just, so there was this one with the guy who did, um, kayak.com super interesting, but so is the one with like somebody who's just like doing like, you know, cookie sales. It's you just, there's, you learn something from that podcast every single time that will motivate you to keep going. It's, Yeah, it's excellent. There's not a bad episode, I don't think.
1: Totally agree. What is one actionable thing that Amazon sellers can do today?
0: Join a group. Like obviously, we know each other through Titan. It it doesn't have to be Titan. You will not make this business work without connection. It has changed my entire business, my entire life. You, I meet people now where. Uh, it's almost like a soul connection because they're doing something that you're doing. They get you, they're entrepreneurs where sometimes your friends from school or that you grew up with just don't get what you're doing. And it cuts the learning curve by way more than half because then you can just reach out and get the answers to your questions. So whatever group that is, whatever you're doing, it doesn't mean if you're not even doing an Amazon business, I assume you are because you're listening to this podcast You need to find your tribe and you need to make connections. And if that means going to every live event you can possibly go to until you figure that out, it is worth every single penny. Without a doubt, 100%, if you do nothing else of anything you've ever heard on any podcast or any book, live events and making connections with other people will change your life and will change your business.
1: Oh, I love it. Jacqueline, that's a great tip. Go meet people. Go connect with people. Get connected. If you are interested in the mastermind, the Titan is uh, uh, the one I'm a coach in, and, and the there's a link to check out that mastermind in the show notes of this episode. Um, and you can use the, uh, just use my, uh, you actually go to zoncompodcast.com slash resources, and it's right there at the top if you want to have a quick link to go to, to as well. And Jacqueline, I love that, making connections, finding people, understanding their story, getting tips about like how to, oops, I should be advertising actually, <laughs> right? Stuff like that, little simple things like that, like really make a big difference.
0: I have never, never gone to an event where I didn't make more money or save more money than that event cost me.
1: Absolutely.
0: Nice. 100%. I know that that is true. It's critical, I think, because this is a lonely business. Yes. Yes. It's not lonely if you connect with people, though. So, Absolutely.
1: then it's fun. Jacqueline, thank you so much for being here. We learned all about. So I took a lot of notes, Let's see, and all the notes will be in the show notes <laughs> too. So, I have uh, look. Start with a product first, and then jump in and use certain websites like Etsy and and uh, certain niche websites to go into to find to find product ideas and then use uh, different data. we we'll look at buyer intent and look at search terms and stuff like that. We want, we're generally shooting for 150% ROI. We want to look at our reviews and competitors, and then we want to differentiate our products, and we talked all about how to do that. And then, of course, we heard your your why about your kids and the, the five books and the podcast that you um, suggested that we, that we check out. And of course, the final action is to connect with people. So, Jacqueline, thank you for connecting with me. I appreciate you being here. And and uh, and I'm sure the audience appreciates it as well.
0: Thanks. It was fun.
1: Hey, guys, if you found value from this episode, I would love if you could tell the world. And if you don't want to tell the entire world, I would love for you to tell iTunes at least. If you can go to iTunes, if you listen to this podcast on iTunes, go ahead and go leave us a review. I have a few here that are amazing that I love to read out. I read every single review that's posted. Go to iTunes, leave a review. Also, Spotify now is allowing ratings. So please go onto Spotify and super easy. You don't even have to write anything. You just hit five stars and leave that review. You know, as an Amazon seller, how important reviews are to your business. I am asking you at the goodness of your heart, please leave me a review as well. Thanks.